boy, it is another episode of Big Sky, Big Takes, a joint production of the Big Sky Podcast Network and the Montana Mint, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. Uh, as everyone knows, it's an around, around the horn style show. We bring in a bunch of experts from around the league. Uh, and boy, do we have a really all-star panel today. Probably the best panel I've ever seen on a show like this. Uh, starting off, we got Dallas Hammer with the Tubs at the Club podcast covering all things Vandals. Uh, Colby Peterson from Weber State Weekly. Brent Wahlberg from the number one podcast in the state of Montana, Grizz Fan Podcast, and uh, the Idaho State Beat Reporter, Andrew Howden. Great to have you on, Andrew, covering Idaho State, Idaho State Journal, going down, down to San Antonio here, covering the women's team uh, very soon. I'm your host, Bear Tycoon. Uh, let's get right into it. Um, so this past weekend, we had a, a good slate of football games. I want to start with uh, the Eastern Idaho State game. Um, luckily we don't have any Eagles on here, uh, for this show. So we can have an honest discussion about Eastern Washington, but I think it was the most entertaining game of the weekend. A lot of back and forth. I think there are seven lead changes. Uh, Idaho state led by 11 points in the fourth quarter, ended up losing on a, on a a late touchdown by Eastern. Um, but let's start with you Dallas on here. Uh, Eastern Washington obviously came away with the W, but how should they feel about this game? If you're an Eastern fan, I think you have to be happy about the win. Uh, I, I mean, you have to be happy about any win. But you also have to acknowledge that your defense is very inconsistent and is not going to consistently stop top-tier offenses. Um, if they win, they're they're going to do it the Eastern way, scoring a ton of points. I mean, that's kind of been the Eastern kind of team for years now, really, as long as Bo Baldwin was there. Uh, they were missing some guys against ISU. So they could pin that on on not having Callan Kreiner or, or Jack Sendelbach. But, I mean, name a team that's not missing guys in this this weirdly beautiful spring yep. season. Um, I do think it's it tells us that Weber's probably better than anybody else in this conference because they they handle teams that Eastern can't. But if you're Eastern, you got to be happy with winning. You're in that next tier of teams. Yep. And yeah, speaking of Weber, uh, uh, Colby, I want to get to you on this. So you guys, you're rooting for the number one team in the conference. You see Eastern kind of stumble to a victory against uh, uh, Idaho State. What, how are you feeling about that Eastern performance? And what does this mean for the top of the big sky? Well, I think that uh, looking at the game, you know, you know, like you said, most entertaining game in the big sky last weekend by far. And uh, this one was basically Barrier versus Vanderwall, right? We got 455 yards on Bill on, on the eastern side versus 409 yards on the Idaho State side. And so you just got to see two offenses just really go at each other. And uh, that was refreshing, you know, as I sat in Ogden, Utah and watched Weber State's offense uh, put up no points in the first half. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this was, this was, I think, a lot of fun. As a Weaver fan, I mean, we don't get to play Eastern Washington this year unless uh, there's a face-off in the playoffs. And so for us, we're just sitting back watching, having a good time. Uh, and this one, I think, was. And like you said, if you're an Eagles fan, uh, you came away with the dub, got what you wanted. Andrew, you wrote in your uh, recap of the game this week that this is a transitional year for for Idaho State. Um, yeah, offense is looking all right. Defense is another story. There have been... Uh, uh, three times where a team has scored over 40 points. One was Idaho State this weekend in a loss. The other two came against the Idaho State defense. Um, what is happening with this defense? How far along in the transition are they? Well, they're really young. Um, you know, they were down a couple of starting safeties against Eastern Washington, which maybe helps explain some of that. You know, the answer you're looking for, I think it would just be time, right? I mean, and that's where Rob Fennessy has sort of, you know, 
push this spring season is we're a young team. We need to have this spring season to just get these kids reps. I mean, they're starting a junior college transfer and a true freshman at cornerback. You know, they've got the two freshmen switching in and out at nose tackle, which is a huge position on that defensive line. The issues are the same. It's always been with Idaho State. I mean, they struggle getting pressure on the quarterback out of that 3-4 defense that they run. And, you know, it remains to be seen if, you know, the seasoning on these players will get this defense to where they want to be. They've never really had a good defense on the Rob Fantasy. They haven't really had a good defense in decades, right? So it maybe the problem is something else. And, you know, even when these kids get older, they're not going to be where they want to be. Yeah, well, fantasy, I think he's got that offense humming, but uh, defense, there is a lot to be desired for sure. Uh, let's move on to the second question. I think we've talked enough about Idaho State and Eastern for for one day, um, but Cal Poly uh, made their debut, their their spring debut this weekend um, at Bo Baldwin's head coaching debut um, as, as the leader of Cal Poly, and they got rolled by Southern Utah. The final score, 34-24, doesn't really do it justice. I think Southern Utah was up 31-7 to at one point. Uh, Brent, you've adopted Cal Poly as your number one team to root for uh, this spring. Um, how would you grade Bo Baldwin's debut as a head coach? You know what, Barrett to Daikun, I'm going to push back a bit. They did not get rolled by Southern Utah. Southern <laughs> well, you were Utah, watching a different game. Uh, Southern Utah got a comfortable lead and then almost watched it all melt away. Now, keep in mind that Cal Poly had a turnover and down, three turnover, turnover on downs inside Southern Utah territory and then also opted to kick a field goal late in the game and threw an interception on the Southern Utah side of the field. There was a lot of I – mean, this is a team that is working on a brand-new offense, putting a triple-option quarterback back in the pocket. And they hung in there, and in the second half, they definitely showed that they could hang a little bit. Now, Southern Utah, that's no crowning accomplishment. We'll see how they do as they move forward. But honestly, Bo Baldwin had a little over a year and a half to prep for this and taking a triple-option team and putting it on this field and actually showing some good signs in the second half. I wasn't amazed. I'd give him a good C plus at this point, but I like the way it's going. And Jalen Hamler almost threw for 300 yards. They might have something in him <laughs> a little bit more than they thought they had. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, all right, so let, let's cross playoffs off the list of goals for Cal Poly um, in this spring. Andrew, I, I want you to just talk us through with a program like this where you know they're probably not going to be the top 16 in the country. Um, what should their goal be for the rest of this spring season? Well, like Britt said, I mean, the whole thing with them is putting this new system in place. This is a team that's been built one way for the last, you know, decade or so under Tim Walsh. I mean, they've built to run the triple option. It takes more than a season to transition away from that because you're recruiting with that offense in mind. I think Cal Poly is one of the most interesting teams in the conference this spring season just because they are doing that. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in Bo Baldwin, right, because of the success that he's had in this league previously. And I think it's just going to be really interesting to see, you know, how far they move along that path towards transitioning away from the triple option, getting what Baldwin wants to see there in his offense. Yep. Well, while most of the big sky is taking off this weekend with a scheduled bye week, Cal Poly UC Davis is the only game they're making up for the, the COVID related canceled game um, from, I think, week one. Uh, Colby, what, what is your score prediction um, for the sole big sky game this weekend? 
Yeah, so this is a little bit tough because I I wrote my notes that Pauly is going to struggle against Davis. Davis showed last week that they have a very stout defense, uh, that they can you know defend the run well, that uh, they can get pressure on the quarterback, and if Hamlin's not careful, uh, he's going to struggle. Uh, luckily, Bronson Barron had a cool head and he threw the ball away when he needed to this last weekend. Um, so if if he gets into those pressure situations and decides to throw the ball on the field when he shouldn't, uh, that could be a problem for for Pauly to try and get back in the game. Uh, Davis's offense is. You know, okay, Rodriguez and you know Gilliam are okay. They're they're great players, and uh, they they may be able to carry them. So we're gonna have to see what happens on the defensive side of the ball because, like we talked about, SEU not a great team, but still put up 31 points. So if I'm guessing, yep. uh, I'm gonna say let's let's put this one close to you know, let's call it 27 to 13. All right, you heard it here. Put all your money 27 13 uh, on Davis over Cal Poly. Uh, last one, Dallas, why don't you give us a score prediction in that game as well? So I'm thinking UC Davis is going to put up somewhere around 45 points <laughs> and Cal Poly is going to put up close to 24. Obviously, this game is going to be out of hand very early. UC Davis is so much better than Cal Poly for all the reasons we've discussed. Yeah. Jalen Hamler took seven sacks last week. They averaged under two yards a carry. Uh, the Cal Poly's offensive line is not going to be able to do anything against the defense of UC Davis, but it's going to be one of those, just like the SUU game where it's 31 seven and they commit to just running the ball, the rest of the hat, the rest of the game and Cal Poly will put up some points at the end and make it look a little bit closer than it was. Yeah, I think it, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think Davis is going to win big here, and I think they have a lot of incentive to try to run up the score. They're ranked 21 in the nation right now. They want to boost up that rating in hopes that they can uh, snag one of those playoff spots. Uh, but transitioning away from football, obviously the big story in the big sky uh, this past weekend uh, was with hoops. Um, Eastern Washington took the tournament. Uh, uh, they got the guaranteed auto bid um, to the NCAA tournament uh, by beating the Bobcats. It was it was really a fun tournament overall, uh, and I was impressed by the level of play by most of the teams that that were out there. Besides my Vandals, I thought everyone looked uh, like pretty frisky, and it was it was a really entertaining uh, tournament. Um, Eastern uh, one got the auto bid. Were they the right team? Did the right team win the conference? Colby, let's start with you. Yeah, I think so, right? Because you know when Weber drew Montana, we knew that you know like oh great, we got our kryptonite, and of course Weber goes down, right? Uh, we, we kind of we weren't happy about it in Ogden, but you know, we sort of felt it coming because you know, mm -hmm. Decure has a way of getting Randy Ray and that's what we saw, you know, the Wildcats struggled, but then going in, you know, Montana, whoever was, whoever won that matchup going up against Ewu, uh, that was going to be, that was going to be a trouble. Uh, that was going to be really tough because Eastern Washington was obviously the top team. I felt I always had them at number one in my power rankings throughout the season. And um, yeah, I think that the number one team ended up taking off. I think Montana state was a surprise though. Watching SUU go down like that was like, wow. So like you said, very entertaining. <laughs> But I don't think it was a question. Um, Eastern Washington was the, was the team that was going to the dance. Andrew, you watched all the games. Do you think uh, the right team won the tournament? Yeah, I'd, I would agree with Colby, although I wasn't quite as certain going into it. If you had asked me that uh, Eastern Washington was going to win, I was kind of a believer in Southern Utah this year. And, of course, the way they went down was pretty spectacular, really entertaining game. Went to overtime back and forth at the end against Montana State. If you had said at the beginning of the tournament that Southern Utah was going to the big dance, you know, I wouldn't have been entirely surprised. I mean, there's just so much talent on that Thunderbirds team, but of course not to take anything away from Eastern Washington in March, you know, you, you have to win the games. And at the end, yeah, I think it's the right team going to the tournament. Yep. Dallas, I'm going to ask you a, a question here. 
Uh, the Eagles, 10.5-point underdogs against Kansas, the line I'm looking at. Do they have any chance of winning this game? Where are you putting your money this weekend? I do actually think they've got a shot to win this game. I think they were the best team in the conference all year long. Uh, I mean, they came into the, the season with Jacob Davison as a unanimous selection to all-conference. He was the preseason MVP. Well, he finished sixth on the team in minutes and fifth in scoring. This team is loaded. Uh, you know, Kansas also had the COVID problem. They withdrew from the Big 12 tournament because of coronavirus. I don't think it's going to affect them in the tournament, yeah. but that that could be a depth problem. Eastern plays a really aggressive offensive style. Uh, they shoot a ton of threes. I think Shante Leggins is a great coach. That's what you need in the tournament if you're a mid-major like this. If you can get hot from deep, you can take down just about anybody. We talked about before we started recording, but it is also cool when a team, when a Big Sky team gets in the tournament and plays like a traditional powerhouse school. Having Eastern go against Kansas is just so much cooler than them going against. Uh, who are the other three seeds? I think Arkansas um, and West Virginia. Like It's just cool having them go against Kansas. That'll be a good visual. Last question, probably most important question. Uh, Brent Wahlberg, how are the Bobcats see fans? How should they remember this season? Should they remember it as... Uh, you know, when they, they broke through, made the championship game in over a decade, or is this the season that they lost to Idaho? Well, you're asking the Grizz fan this question, right? So, of mm -hmm. course, it's the loss to Idaho. <laughs> I'm going to have to remind them that uh, up until eternity that they lost to the worst uh, basketball team in the Big Sky Conference in quite some time. But honestly, though, you, you really, the Cat fans, of course, they, you've got to be excited about what Coach Sprinkle is building there with their team. They've got, they return a lot of talent as well, too. Uh, for a team that really was not projected to be this dangerous and then to go into the tournament and knock off the number one seed and then fall down pretty far back behind Eastern but continue to fight all the way through the second half and just kind of keep the game within a striking distance and just kind of just kind of hang in there and not give up. Uh, you've really got to think there's a lot of positivity and a lot of excitement around this program moving into the next year, and I really wouldn't blame them for that. But as a Grizz fan, I will still always remind them of that loss to Idaho. Yep, an open invite to the two Ryans from r, &R CatCast. Come on anytime, defend your Bobcats, <laughs> basketball, football, or any sport. We would love to have you. Um, all right, let's go to team, team drill down. I want to get into some specifics here. But before we do, a big shout out to our exclusive sponsor, Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, Located right here in the great state of Idaho, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. Just bring your clothes and let Hughes River Expedition handle the rest. Uh, Hughes River Expedition has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, uh, and they are ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Uh, find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now. It's 1-800-262-1882. 1-800-262-1882. Or just check them out at HughesRiver.com. Uh, okay, so team drill down. I want to get into some school-specific stuff. Andrew, you're obviously the beat writer for Idaho State. Mentioned at the top of the show that you are heading uh, to San Antonio to watch the Idaho State women's team play in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're 13 seed playing Kentucky uh, in the first round. What what are the Bengals' chances for an upset here? Kind of talk us through what this team is and do they have a chance of winning? For sure. I think if you saw Idaho State play against Idaho in the Big Sky Tournament Championship, I mean, you get a really good sense of what they're about. I, 
that was, of course, maybe their best game of the year. So it's a good one to go into the tournament on. This is a team that focuses on defense, on defense. Of course, everything starts with that for a Seton Sobolewski coach team. Aggressive defense. They switch a lot. Um, so they can get into some matchups, but even when they're in those matchups, right, the guards down in the post, they're going to fight. They're going to claw on defense. And then the scoring is just so balanced, and they can score in so many different ways. I mean, they have shooters. They have post players. They have, you know, Diaba Kanate can get to the rim on anybody, I think, in the country with her first step. You know, they just have a lot of different ways to score. So that's one thing that, you know, you don't know if you're expecting that from a 13 seed. I think the big thing for them, and I mentioned this sort of before the show, they just need to not get overwhelmed by the athleticism, the size. Of course, they're at a disadvantage going against an SEC team in Kentucky. If they can stay alive, sort of keep Kentucky off the offensive boards, I think they really do have a chance. And, you know, you see a 13 seed every year, right, in March Madness. You're filling out your bracket. You're looking at those 13 seeds. You think one of these teams is going to get a win. I think ISU has a as good a chance as anybody else uh, in the women's bracket to do that. Has the team already traveled down to San Antonio? Yep. So they left. Uh, I believe they flew down today, actually got there today, quarantining for two days, can't leave the hotel room. And then I think they'll have, you know, two days of practice at the Alamo Dome going into that game on Sunday. Awesome. Well, looking forward to watching that and, and following you on Twitter to get updates through the, the whole thing. Um, Colby, I want to move to you next. Weber State, we alluded to this in the first segment, but their offense uh, did not look awesome uh, last weekend. Um, uh, they're trailing 10-0 at the half. What is, what's going on with Weber State? Is, is this growing pains with the new offensive coordinator um, or is this who they are? I feel like we're always underwhelmed by Weber's offense. Right. You know, like I said, we've seen a lot of underwhelming def- offenses in Ogden. Um, you know, we a lot of times we look down south at Salt Lake and we say, oh, yeah, Weber State's kind of, you know, the University of Utah. There are a lot of similarities there. You know, can't seem to find a really great, you know, dynamic quarterback that can break them out. Um, and so for this one to answer the question, I think that I think it's growing pains. Uh, you know, they were able to put up quite a bit of offense on Idaho State, which was, you know, surprising because we didn't know what to expect. And they started a true freshman in Bronson Barron at quarterback. We all assumed that Randall Johnson would get the would get the nod. And then uh, that wasn't the case. And so it was like, wow, OK, uh, we're, we're looking differently. But then you play a much tougher team in UC Davis. And instead of, you know, 600 yards of offense, you're only putting up three. Um, that's to be expected. Davis is a better team. Uh, but I think that as time goes on, I think that we'll see the offense in Ogden improve when Matt Hammer was the offensive coordinator in the late 2000s and early 2010s. He was, you know, putting a top 25 offense out on the field. I think that he can return to that, uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And part of the challenges that Weber State is playing, playing week off a week, playing a week off a week. And so we really haven't got a chance to really play consistently. Once we get into the back end of the schedule, maybe things will turn around. Yeah, um, I mean, still the team to be in the big sky, but it'd be nice to see something out of that Wildcat uh, offense. Dallas, we're going to move to you. And if there's one team in the country that has had too much talked about them in podcasts or written about them, it's Idaho State men's basketball team. They're a 1-21 in season, uh, that one coming against Montana State. But Zach Klaus is returning for his third year at the helm of the, the team next year. Six players are currently in the transfer, po- transfer portal. Um can Idaho be worse next year? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, they can. Um, I, I'm i going to play the optimist here and say losing those six guys, they're going to miss one and a half of them, and any guy they get off the street is going to 
contribute just about as much as any of the rest of them did. Um, Idaho has had five conference wins in two seasons. They had the worst scoring margin over the last three seasons with uh, 14.2, 10.1, and then this season 15.7 deficit each of their losses. Uh, One of the worst teams, honestly, to grace the big sky in decades, uh, if not the entire NCAA. They were absolutely terrible. Uh, you know, like their advanced offensive rating was in the bottom 11. They were 337th out of 347. Their advanced defensive rating was 339th out of 347. So they can be worse. There is a very small little <laughs> bit that they could get worse. They can um, thread the needle and get worse somehow. <laughs> exactly. The The thing is they lose six transfers, uh, Blakeney, uh, Christmas, Thacker, Robinson, and Madden, five guys that played a lot. If you look at PER... Only one of those guys had a PER worth anything, and that's Scott Blakeney. He'll he'll probably end up playing somewhere else in the big sky. I truly think they will be better next year. It might be one or two wins, but they will be better. Okay, well, let's just make a promise to everybody. That is the last we're talking about Idaho basketball until uh, uh, Midnight Madness next year. Um, Let's end with you, Brent. I know you're a Cal Poly fan, but I want to talk Grizz football uh, they got two games um, uh, on the spring schedule, Central Washington and Portland State. Um, you know, I, as an Idaho fan, I've not been uh, really following it this this year, but how's Grizz Nation feeling about these games? How are you feeling about these two games? You know, before I get into that, Dallas, I will say Montana had like six guys leave the team in the middle of the season, and we got better as it went. So <laughs> silver lining for anybody. Okay, but you guys got to look at this. This is great for Montana fans, like a lot of Grizz Nation. We're excited about these games. It's been it's been tough as a fan to sit here and watch everybody. Well, not everybody, but a, a group uh, uh, continue to play this spring, and we're just sitting here with nothing. And so uh, I was really excited to see, and I know a lot of fans are excited to see that we've got Central Washington. That one will be what it is. But that we also get to play a big sky team in Portland State. Apparently Bobby Houck and uh, Coach Barney are good friends. So that should be an interesting game uh, to watch how it unfolds. And, you know, you look at uh, the goal here at Montana, I think that this coaching staff and this team believes they've got something special going. And they've got someone that not only can challenge the Weber states of the Big Sky Conference, but maybe even the North Dakota states of the FCS as we get into the fall of 2021. So I like the fact that we're playing a few games. We can get a little bit of experience, build a little bit more depth, and kind of get to that point where we head into the fall with a team that's ready to go. I've got some inside sources that are telling me a handful of coaches around the Big Sky reporting back that they're feeling a little jealous that the, both the Montana schools are going the right route with the spring rather than <laughs> playing six games. I'll keep my sources confidential. Uh, the only thing that will be interesting, though, is a typical spring schedule, you play to build depth. And so if it is a tie game in the fourth quarter against Portland State and Montana's playing a bunch of true freshmen and we lose – that Twitter and message board freak out is going to be epic because who the <laughs> hell knows what that's going to look like. But honestly, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be on TV. We're supposed to have a select amount of fans in. It's going to be good to see a bit of Grizz football because I can tell you, it's been tough watching a handful of other teams play while we're just sitting here 
following teams like Cal Poly, like me. Yeah. Well, if anyone deserves to be in that stadium, it is one Brent Wahlberg. Um, all right. move. I want to move on. So normally our third segment, we do a fantasy builder where we try to build fantasy teams off the teams that are uh, uh, playing this weekend. Being willing to have two games, I want to try something a little different. We're going to try to give out some midseason awards. So I'm going to go all of you real quick. Um, just we'll give out top quarterback, top offensive, uh, non-quarterback, top defensive player, and top coach uh, so far this year, three weeks in. Um, let's start with quarterback, and I'm going to start with you, Colby. Who, who's your choice for a top quarterback in the big sky? Yeah, so I, I think this one's obvious. It's Eric Berrier, 1,203 yards in three games. That's average about 400 yards a game. I mean, how do you not? Yeah, Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, there was about a quarter and a half against Idaho State when I was thinking maybe it's not Eric Berrier. <laughs> they were getting pressure on him. He was you know, missing some throws. And then the second half of that game, he was unbelievable. They couldn't touch him. He was scrambling around, making plays out of nothing. He's an incredible player. I mean, we're lucky to have him in the big sky where we can watch him every week. Yeah, Brent Wahlberg, do you agree? Well, I just got to say, this is the only time I'm going to shout out a cat fan, but we're saying his name wrong. It's Eric Barrierier. <laughs> shout out to my guy, Hot Take Nate. You know, Tyler Vanderwall, though, impressive with his numbers. Justin yep. Miller, most efficient, but has played a bunch of garbage teams. Yeah, it's Eric Barrier. Yeah, man. Dallas, what do you think? I mean, clean sweep. It's Barrier. He's been maybe not as good this spring as he was last fall. He's already up to four mm -hmm. picks, which is all he threw in 2019. He's, he is completing over 60% of his throws, even if he looks a little inconsistent to the eye test. But he's he's the best quarterback in 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 this conference. Probably even the whole FCS. There's no reason to to deviate from the rest of you guys. Yeah, he's had some bumps, but it, it seems like an obvious choice. So congrats, Eric Barrierie. We got uh, our first award, top quarterback in the Big Sky Conference partway through the season. Let's move on to this offensive player. So non-quarterback, any receiver, uh, running back, tight end, a, a kick returner if it, if it suits you. Uh, but Dallas, who do you got as the number one so far this year? So this is tough. I was going to go with a couple running backs, but they've only played two games, and their last game was a bit of a defensive battle. So I'm going to change it up real quick. I'm going to say Tololo Limu Jones, Barrier's top receiver. Uh, mm -hmm. He's second in the league in receiving yards, first in receptions per game, third in yards per game. Uh, his worst game is six receptions for 87 yards. I take that every single day if that's the worst a guy's going to play. Brent Wahlberg, what about you? Well, Dallas stole my guy because Talolo Limu Jones is a complete mismatch at 6'5", 220. But, you know, I think him and I were maybe on the same track here, too, because honestly, you've got to go also with the just the known quantity in Josh Davis. Not the sexiest numbers, but, I mean, the guy is averaging 90 yards a game on the ground. He leads Weber State in receptions. They've got an ugly offense, but this is a guy that game in, game out, just gets stuff done. So Josh Davis is your choice? That's my choice, yeah. All right, Andrew. Who's, who do you got, top offensive player? Yeah, this is giving me a little bit of an opportunity to go for a little bit of a homer pick with, like we said, Gilliam, Josh Davis, only playing two games. Eastern's got a ton of good wide receivers. Tanner Connor for Idaho State, a wide receiver. Mm. Yep. Um, he's the guy this year. He's playing with true freshmen at all the other wide receiver positions, so he's getting doubled. He's got two 100-yard games in three games. Among players with double-digit catches, he leads the league in yards per reception. So he's got the volume. He's got the impact. He's a big, big sky sprint champion. He maybe goes under the radar a little bit because Idaho State, but he is a spectacular wide receiver. He's proving it this year without Mitch Culler and Mikey Dean there. Well, we've got three-way tie so far. Colby, who do you got, top offensive player? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not helping here because I actually had Tanner Connor on my list too. 334 yards uh, thus far in three games. Like you said, only three touchdowns, but helps to have Tyler Vanderwall throwing you the ball. Um, but for some of the other things that Andrew mentioned, you know, not a lot around him, so he's going to get doubled, and he's still able to do a lot. Uh, in the game against Weber State, uh, he, he really showed out against a secondary that is very good. Eddie Heckard was out there, you know, trying to do his best on him, and Tanner still got stuff done. So that's the guy that I picked. Oh, Tanner Connor, the offensive player of the Big Sky Conference partway through the season. Congratulations. I have him on my list, but I think that's a, an upset pick right there. Um, all right, let's go to the other side of the ball, defense. Who is the top defensive player uh, in your mind, Brent Wahlberg? Well, okay, so I'm watching Cal Poly, and they haven't played a lick of defense so far in their <laughs> one game. So uh, I had to think back to watching that Idaho-Eastern Washington game, and who's this guy making all these plays? But it's Trey Walker linebacker with Idaho. I mean, this guy was everywhere. Leads the conference ta with tackles in 34. I mean, he was decorated and recognized from the season before and before that as well, too. This guy's everywhere. I, I love watching him play. He would be my top defensive player. Colby, do you agree? Uh, so I, I actually had uh, – I. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going down to a Southern Utah player, believe it or not. So I'm going La Akea, uh, Kaha Ohano Hano Davis. You just <laughs> Guys, wanted to show off and done. say his name. Uh, and I didn't. I was like, I got to practice this before I go on because I don't want to look like a complete fool here. But looking at the guy, I mean, he's, he's leading the conference in sacks right now. Four, you know, solo sacks in, you know, three games. Uh, he's up top 10 in you know, tackles like this guy is just everywhere right now, man. He's, he's leading the conference in tackles for loss. Uh, it's just like, man, this guy is really a monster on the line, putting pressure on quarterbacks and making it happen. So that's the guy I went with. Andrew, what do you think? You know, Trey Walker is on my list. He's right up there. I think until, you know, Weber State's defense drops off, this basically always has to go to a Weber State player. I'll take linebacker Connor Mortensen. He was good against Idaho State. He's up there. Um, sort of on the tackle list in the conference, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. And just that defense is, is so good that, you know, you figure one of their players has to be the best in the conference. Dallas, break our tie, three-way tie. So Bear Tycoon is a longtime Vandal fan of mm -hmm. a couple months. You are well aware. I got to go with Brent here. It's Trey Walker. Great he, choice. <laughs> he's played two games. He's second in the league in solo tackles, second in the league in total tackles. He even has a sack. Uh, he sometimes lines up at running back. He is the heart of the Idaho defense. He's the best linebacker in the big sky. I would argue the best linebacker in the FCS. He is the key to the Idaho team. Trey Walker, Vandal, and defensive MVP partway through the season. Um, last one, let's give uh, an award out to the coaches. Top coach so far this year, Andrew Howden. Yeah, again, I think it's an easy choice. I mean, Weber State's one of the best three teams in the country. They've looked shaky at times, especially against UC Davis, as we've talked about. But, I mean, Jay Hill has them right up there. You know, they've, they've held serve. Um, you know, they're undefeated. They're still looking for a national championship, and they're right in that conversation. So I think that's a pretty easy choice. Yeah. D uh, Dallas, what do you think? I, I, I'd say the same thing. Weber's the best team in this conference, unquestionably. They have a legitimate chance to win the title. It starts with Jay Hill. They have been so good for so long. I mean, he had that team competitive and – honestly contending with Jake Constantine at quarterback. Now they're They have Bronson Barron who uh, he's young and they're inconsistent, but he might be legit. It's Jay Hill. No question. Colby. Do you agree? 
I mean, I, as much as I want to go with Coach Hill because I love the man, uh, I actually went with Aaron Best on this one. Oh, and, come uh, on. Well, here's why. Because, you know, Coach Best ends up missing the first game. Uh, Eagles, you know, they end up losing to Idaho. What a bummer. But then he comes back, and they really start putting up the numbers. And so it's just like, to me, it's like fighting through that adversity. Great point. Coach Best getting COVID, coming back, getting his team back on track. Uh, I got to hand it to him. All right. That's, that's <laughs> a good point. Uh, Brent, we got two for Jay Hill, one for Aaron Best. Who are you voting for? I'm not throwing my hat in the ring for Coach Best, though. Like I told you guys in the chat earlier this week, there's death, there's taxes, and there's Jay Hill that wins ugly. Until <laughs> until this guy, can, until someone knocks him off and starts winning the conference, someone else starts winning the conference, Jay Hill is the best coach in this conference. All right. Um, so Jay Hill, coach of the year so far, Trey Walker, uh, uh, Eric Berrier, and, and is it Tanner Connor for Idaho State? What what a what a group that we have. We're going to go to the showdown. Top two. Uh, moving on. Jerry is tabulating the scores. While he does, I want to give a quick shout out to our individual podcast sponsors. Uh, first, Montana Mint Store. Of course, WildcatRack.com. Montucky Cold Snacks and Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company. They all support all the uh, different podcasts here in the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are very grateful uh, for their support. We really couldn't do it without them. And moving on, Jerry's showing me uh, he's got a little board in front of him with the winners. We got uh, Brent Wahlberg moving on. Cal Poly, we got to talk more about them. Then Colby moving on uh, to, to the showdown. Three questions here. Uh, we'll give out points for the winner of each question. The person with the most points at the end of this will get uh, a chance to talk about whatever they want at the end of the show. But question one, um, so four Big Sky teams in football – uh, are receiving votes in the top 25. Eastern, as we said, obviously number three in the country. Eastern, or Weber, number three. Eastern, uh, number 15. Davis, number 21. And Idaho's getting votes. They'd be number 27 in the country. Do we have any issues with this list? Colby, let's start with you. So thus far, I don't have any lists, or I don't have any issues with the list yet. I think that North Dakota jumping Weber State is fair. Their strength of schedule, they should probably be the number one team. Um, I think that Davis will climb. Uh, as the as the weeks go on, so expect that, and we'll see if Idaho can get back on track. But thus far, no, no problems with this list. Brent Wahlberg, any problems with this list? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue with this list. I mean, the interesting thing when you look at this is the odds of the Big Sky sending a second team is is really tough. Someone else besides Weber needs to completely win out and get a little bit of luck moving forward. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, question two. I think you guys tied on that one. Question two. Uh, are there, so there's four other big sky teams playing this fall. Um, are any of these other guys going to get votes in, for the top 25? Anyone that you see getting votes in the top 25, who would be the most likely out of the other four teams to get, to get votes? Brent Wahlberg, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nobody, because like you can look at the next half of this season. It's like Idaho state plays the top three teams in the conference. Cal Poly does the same. Are they going to win any of those games? No. I mean, you could say if ISU beats everybody, Davis, Eastern, or NAU, or Cal Poly does that, great. But it's not going to happen. So this is who it is. And the only thing we're going to see is teams drop out of the top 25, I think. Colby, what do you think? So I think that, like Brent said, uh, that these teams are going to have to play some of these top teams in the conference, and that's going to be a, a challenge for them. But crazy things can happen in other parts of the country and other conferences. Right now, Missouri Valley is just beating each other up which is interesting to watch on ESPN plus. So for me is who's the most likely to get some votes for top 25 in the future. 
maybe Southern Utah because it feels like, well, maybe they could put some things together. They're the closest to maybe having something that's competitive and maybe cracking, but it's a long shot because they've got Weber State in Cedar on the 3rd of April, and that's not going to bode well for them. All right, I'm giving the point to Colby there for taking a stand, uh, giving us a team name. Last question, the showdown. Um, and I'm going to bring in all four panelists to give a, give an answer on this question. Just had the Big Sky Tournament in Boise. Um, Boise as a city was just awarded five more years of hosting uh, the, the basketball tournament, men's and women's. Um, is this a good development? Colby, let's start with you. So personally, I like the tournament being in Boise. It's something unique. It's fairly geographically central to the school and, or to the schools in the conference. So that makes sense. I personally like Boise a lot. Right downtown is a great place. So I don't mind. I think it's a good thing for the big sky to be there because I think moving to Vegas is the wrong move and getting out of Reno was the right move. So where else are you going to go? Boise, maybe Salt Lake in the future, but right now Boise's it. So I think it's a good move. Brent Wahlberg, what do you think? You know, I think Boise does a great job with the tournament, and it's easy for most all of us to get there. The only thing I'm going to say, I really like it there. I'm I'm supportive of it, but I think the Big Sky needs to give a little bit more consideration to who wins the regular season. Maybe something like the regular season winner gets a bye all the way to the semifinals, and then I'm perfectly happy with all of it. Yeah, I think if you can mess with the format without messing with the location and it might be a better outcome. Uh, let's get these other two guys in here just to comment on this. Dallas, what do you think? I think it's pretty perfect. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Boise. I grew up in Southern Idaho, so just, uh, I'm just not a huge fan because I'm so familiar with it. But it is, it, like, like Colby was saying, it's very central to the league. Uh, the neutral site is, I think, the best place to do it. Vegas doesn't make sense. Reno's a dump. Boise's the next best place to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Andrew Howden, what do you think? Is this a good development? Yeah, I like Boise a lot. I've been lucky enough to, to go to a couple tournaments there. Always had a great time. I mean, there are some people who you will just never convince that they ever should have moved away from hosting it at the, the number one seed, right? But if you're going to do it at a neutral site, like people have said, this is a gigantic conference. You need a place that's relatively central. Boise is. It's a great town. Um, I was I was super happy to see them extend it. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, so I'm going to give Brent Wahlberg the point there just because, um, you know, I, I do like Boise as a destination. Someone made a, a point in our chat that, you know, Boise wanted the Big Sky Conference like they're happy mm -hmm. to have it. And I think that's important. If we go to Vegas, you're going to be, you know, uh, third or fourth or fifth fiddle down there. Um, so it's nice to have a community that wants you. Um, and, but I do like the idea of kind of messing uh, on the edges with, you know, giving the regular season champed. Um, a bigger advantage going into that. Brent Wahlberg, I'm giving you the point there. You tie one, one um, uh, with Colby, but uh, you know, a little hometown favorite here because you're a Grizz fan. And because last time I hosted, I gave it to a Weber state fan. Uh, I'm giving it to you, Brent Wahlberg. Congratulations on the point. Congratulations on the victory. You got one minute to talk about whatever you want. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, Grizz hoops beat Weber uh, in the tournament as well too. So I was going to say that had to be our tiebreaker, right? Uh, so look, um, I'm going to, there was something, a point that I had written down when we were talking about the, the tournament, the NCAA tournament in basketball. And I just wanted to share this. I think we've talked about this as well before, uh, Eastern Washington, I honestly think deserves better than the seed that they currently have. But the problem is the big sky conference, two thirds of this conference is a mess. They don't care about their schedule. They don't care about their programs. They don't care about their facilities. The big sky finished 24th out of 31 total conferences in RPI. And we only had four teams in the top 200. And the Bobcats weren't even one of those four, even <laughs> though they got to the final. I have to remind everybody. Look, 
we need to improve this conference, both on the men's and women's side. When it comes to basketball, I think the Big Sky continually puts forth very good champions that then have to go play Kansas and Michigan and other teams like this that absolutely crush them because the mismatch is way too strong. If the rest of this conference can get their stuff together, book better out-of-conference schedules, uh, we can have something that gets an RPI into the mid-teens maybe, maybe upper teens, and we can have something where we can start to send 11 seeds, 12 seeds, maybe even 10 seeds, and something where we can start getting some wins. Because the interesting thing that some people don't realize is NCAA tournament wins equals more money for the whole conference. It betters everybody. The last time we had somebody win, it was Montana. We beat Nevada. And it wound up to be a three-year continual increased payout for the entire Big Sky Conference. We need better investment in our basketball programs so we can do more there. That's what I got. I love it. And more reason for everybody to be rooting for Eastern uh, when they take on Kansas in the tournament. Well, that's it for the show. Go quickly through everybody. Get uh, uh, let us know. Um, uh, you know, Brent, where I know GFP just dropped a new episode. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And when do you guys? What's kind of your schedule for the rest of the spring? So you got me at B Wahlberg or at Grizz Fan Pod. We got a new GFP that dropped today. Obviously, with our two games, we're gonna have a couple of new ones coming out this spring. Uh, so that is where you can find us always on all the Montana Mint networks as well, too. Colby, where can folks find you and when's the next episode coming out? Yeah, so you can follow me at Ogden Gent on Twitter. Uh, convenient that you guys talked about Connor Mortensen. We interviewed him on Monday night, so that show will be dropping tomorrow. You'll have an opportunity to hear straight from the captain uh, about what he thinks, his progress, you know, going from being a walk-on, becoming the captain of this defense. And like you said, it's a good one. So check that out. Awesome. Dallas, where can folks find you? You can find me at Hammer Dallas or at Tubbs at the Club. Uh, we record live Tuesday nights. You stream it on YouTube. Podcast comes out later in the week. Uh, we also do a live post-game reaction to whatever the football team does on Saturdays, uh, COVID notwithstanding. And Andrew, you're going to be down in San Antonio. Where can people find you to, to track what's going on with Idaho State women's team? Yep, if you're interested in following that, you can find me on Twitter at AndrewH202. Uh, and of course, always on idahostatejournal.com. Uh, subscribe to your local newspapers, people. Subscribe to your local newspapers. That is good advice to end on. Well, that's it for Big Sky Big Takes. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for our panel for being here. And we will see you next week. Wow.